in a world crying out for a top 10 show. John Roca and Matt Nost are here to bring you the top 10. Take it away, boys. Welcome, everybody, to a brand new episode of the Top Ten Show. I am John Roca. I am Matt Nost. Uh, and today we are doing the Top Ten Underwater Movies. Uh, we're doing this for what? For Underwater. Yeah, just for Underwater, the movie that Kristen Stewart's in. By the way, welcome to 2020 again. Yes, welcome in. Uh, I hope you guys had a great uh, holiday season and New Year's and all that jazz. Yeah. And uh, thanks to everybody that's uh, joining us for this start of the new year. We're excited. We've got all kinds of stuff coming out. If you've listened to the shows in previous weeks or for whatever reason you've been missing out and you're just jumping in here, yeah. we have two upcoming live shows that you guys can come out and see. Uh, February 29th, the House of Blues. We're doing two shows that night, 8 and 10 p.m. That's right. Tickets are 25 and 40 if you want to come to both. And then... May 2nd, a Saturday in uh, London, coming back to King's Place, Hello. baby. We're doing an 8 o'clock. Tickets are uh, 30 pounds, and uh, it's uh, the bigger venue. We moved up. If you want to get tickets to either of those, it's houseofblues.com forward slash Houston for tickets there, mm-hmm. or uh, kingsplace.co.uk. And then on that one, I know that you go to the calendar and just scroll to May 2nd, and you can find us listed there. But please, come on out. We uh, You guys have demanded these tickets. Yeah. And we put in the effort. We may have reached out, did all the contacts, signed the contracts, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So we are uh, coming to you in these cities. We are working on more. Uh, so give us time. We've already gotten tweets of, hey, when are you coming to X, Y, and Z? Right. Trust me, we want to come to X, Y, and Z. But give us a little time. Uh, you know, We had to, to lay all the groundwork for these two, plus the holidays, yes. Thanksgiving here in the States, followed by Christmas and New Year's. Uh, and everybody's, you know, we're taping this well in advance of when you guys see this. Yeah. Uh, just because uh, the day we record lands, one lands on Christmas and one lands on New Year's. Uh, so there we have to record well in advance because mm-hmm. no one's going to be in here. So uh, please pick up those tickets. Once again, it's houseofblues.com forward slash Houston for the 29th and kingsplace.co.uk uh, for May 2nd there. Everything the match just said. Do it. You wanted us there? We're coming. And if there are cities that you all want, and what Matt just said, if there are cities that want to see us do our live show, hey, make the effort yourself. Start organizing. Get people on board. Maybe start a separate. We've got a bunch of uh, Facebook pages that we have there for separate cities that we had started last year. So why not do one or earlier this year? Why not do one for your city or suggest to us a city you want to do? And then tell us how many people you got already lined up who are jumping onto that Facebook page to set it up. Because we are more than willing to do one of these live shows every month. Uh, and jump into a different city and have a little fun. Could be Wichita, could be Ghana, could be France, could be exactly. Australia. It doesn't matter. I've flown to Australia on a Friday, did a, a set visit on a Saturday, and flew back on a Sunday. So all of it is possible. I have no problem doing any of that. Yeah, and if you um, if you have cities to suggest, uh, you can email us at the top ten live with the number ten, the top ten live at gmail dot com. Uh, Toronto, we're working on yours. Yeah, and then we're looking to other uh, cities here in the states. After that, uh, nothing is concrete, but. Uh, I know there was a bunch of people that reached out from Seattle that have reached out from New York mm-hmm. uh, slash like some from Boston, uh, Chicago. Maybe we'll come back. Yeah, we don't know. Uh, we're working on any dates. We're 
going to try and potentially uh, squeeze something in between Houston and uh, uh, London. Fly in, do a Saturday, and then fly back out. Right. But uh, please hit us up at the top ten live at Gmail with the number ten, the top ten live. Let us know uh, whatever cities, and then once we get enough of a groundswell and whatever uh, the locale it is, we'll create a Facebook group for you guys, and you can join up over there, and we can continue the discussion there. Uh, but please join us at those two those two cities, those upcoming uh, shows. Uh, you know, Chicago, we sold that out. Yeah. Uh, we'd like to sell out the two in Houston. Um, uh, people from all over Texas, get off your asses. <laughs> There's a bunch of you. Uh, some people said that they're going to, you know, fly in so far from other places in Texas because yeah. it's just too long of a drive. Texas is a big state. Sure. Uh, but yeah, we were flying in as well. We will see you guys over there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I say we just jump right in. Let's do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. You guys know what I do. Matt, you want to tell them how the show works? Uh, once we set a topic, which we did for underwater movies, we go our separate ways and create individual top ten lists. Show back up here. I do my bottom three. He does his bottom three. I do my next two. He does his next two. Then we trade one apiece. Once we have revealed our personal top ten list, we create the shows between the two of us. Uh, real quick. Are you excited about this movie at all? Underwater? Have I you have seen a trailer or nothing? Nope. Wow. I have seen nothing. Nothing. All right. Well, this one is... Uh, Kristen Stewart's the lead. T.J. Miller's in this damn thing. Uh, it's directed by William Eubank. It says, A crew of aquatic researchers work to get to safety after an earthquake devastates their subterranean laboratory, but the crew has more than the ocean seabed to fear. A little bit of the Meg vibe to it, right? Yeah. This idea of going deeper than normal. Uh, Vincent Cassell's in this thing as well. So it's an interesting cast. It's out in January. That doesn't usually bode well. No, it's a dumping <laughs> ground for the worst movies of the year. Yeah, exactly. So I wonder how this thing is going to turn out. And I'm curious why Kristen Stewart, who is notoriously picky about the role she takes, is like take it took this role on because she'd been doing a lot of independent films. Then that Charlie's Angels thing, which is her next, which was her latest move into the mainstream public mm-hmm. uh, since I think Twilight. Uh, really didn't do well. So okay. is underwater another one of these like attempts to try to kind of do something a little more distinct, or is this more of an art house film underwater? I don't know. I doubt it. How many art house films are underwater? That's what know? I'm saying. What the the diving bell and the butterfly? That's uh, not really underwater. Not really though. underwater though. Has an underwater theme in the title. <laughs> sure. I'm trying to sure. think of anything hard house that would. Uh... Uh... Oh, there was that Werner Herzog one. Um, Ooh. Well, it's it's Which like one? set in space, and there's. Uh, astronauts like orbiting the Earth, but the Earth is you, we can't occupy it, and we don't know why. Right. So we have to like send a probe back or something like that. And I've I never just remember seen that one. Werner Herzog. I know Brad Dorf's in it. Oh, that's okay. literally all I know. I know the synopsis <laughs> and that, and I don't know anything else. Fair enough. I've never seen it. I just know it exists. Okay. Um, for uh, this, like, so I tried to stay as much underwater as I possibly could. Yeah. Uh, that was my since we're underwater movies. Yes. And I also didn't want to go like – because we already did submarine movies. We did. So I've got some of those. Yeah. But I tried to steer clear as best I could. Right. But it's surprising how many – how few just straight underwater like exploration or something right, right. unless you're going to add in some horror element. Yeah. Which aren't, aren't really my jam. There are there are a number of scenes, underwater scenes in movies. Sure. But that doesn't necessarily make it an underwater yeah, movie. Yeah, like so. Pacific Rim. Right. They oh. come out from the whatever that thing in the the exactly. bottom of the Marianas Trench, but or even Jaws, you could argue. Yeah, but it's, because it's on the wall, but it's on the water. The shark is underwater, but Jaws, shark. And then also, there's just and also Mission Impossible has that awesome underwater scene where Tom Cruise is trying to get that thing unlocked in time. Oh. Uh, the Rogue Nation, I think, is the one where he's trying to get it unlocked in time. So there's all lot of kinds of stuff, but it doesn't make it an underwater film. Yeah, looking for something that's genuinely as much underwater as I could possibly get. Yeah, it, yeah. Which does, on some level, limit 
the available options. It does. So one of them I got a little creative. Okay. Uh, but it's fine. It's underwater. It's you know, it's all okay. it meets all of those metrics. Okay. But it certain films like I just don't care about. Gotcha. Like the Meg is not going to make my list. Nope. Or a you know. A deep Blue Sea. That's not going to make my list. Or either. a bunch of others where it's a lot of underwater, but I find the movie terrible. Yeah, yeah, fair. Uh, so it's just like, I'm sorry. Or, you know, maybe Leviathan makes your your list. I haven't seen it in years. Nope. I remember thinking it was cheesy when I was a kid. It was cheesy. Yeah. Yeah. There's a ton of those, like... I'm happy with my lists. So am I. Yeah, it's yeah, it's yeah. a damn good list. Yeah. But I was trying to search for, hey, what uh, what's only come up once right. or twice? What's something different? Or maybe there's a movie that we've never talked about. Yeah. Uh, try and get a little bit in that so we could uh, okay. illuminate people out there to potential other options they've never heard of. I look forward to hearing your list. Uh, I've got one okay. that fits that criteria. Okay. Another one I don't think we've ever really, really talked about. But All anyway, right. um, so I'm going to jump into number 10 yeah. for me. I've got Finding Dory. That's my number 10. Perfect, absolutely. Perfect Finding timing. Dory. Yeah, yeah. A uh, nice revisit to a world that everybody loved. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's not as good as the first, but I still nope. found it very enjoyable. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was curious as to how you could hang a movie on Dory's character. Yeah. Just because the memory lapse really, to me, was made her the perfect side character. Of mm-hmm. she can float in and have fun and whatnot, but you still have uh, was it Merlin or Marlin? Merlin? Marlin? Oh, yeah, Marlin. Marlin. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, basically the through line. Yep. Keeping them on point and on story. So how do you how do you have someone stay on story when mm-hmm. they don't remember what the story is? Right. But that the collection of new characters like the Ed O'Neill octopus was fantastic, and Jim Gaffigan is that uh, yeah. whale. What is the bulbous whale? Whatever it is, the beluga whale. Beluga whale. That's it. Bulbous, um, sorry, yeah, it's the white whale, isn't it? Yeah. Isn't that what he was with yeah. that little protrusion on its, uh, its on head. its head? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, and then going to the uh, the oceanography place, the up in the uh, northern California. Mm-hmm. Shoot, what is that? I think it's the one that's featured in Star Trek Four. Oh, okay. The Whale Institute that's up there? Uh-huh. Okay. Well, it's not it, – technically, I think they call it a Whale Institute, but it's like the just a major uh, initial hu- hub on the West Coast for uh, marine or aquatic research. Okay. Uh, it's something Bay. Michael Bay? No, 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 no. The actual name of – yep, it's Six Underground. That's the name of it. Did you see this one yet? No. Okay. No. All, every review I've it's read – bad. Oh, it's been beyond bad. Yeah. Where it's like he's created a new style of stupid. Like, <laughs> That's not good. Although I've, I've seen a couple of people say online, uh, it's just pretty good. Uh, you know, I enjoyed it. But yeah. like, it's so be it. If JT. He did. did he? Uh, yeah, he did. I'm not surprised. Uh, there's a, well, I don't see it. Is the Aquarium of the Bay, Lucky Ocean Aquarium, Sixth Avenue Aquarium, Aquarium uh, Maritime Museum, no. Aquatic Park Go- Grove, Aquatic Park? No, Maybe research? Bay. Maybe I should type in research and see what comes up. Uh, yeah, Marine Science Institute. Maybe. Uh, Monterey Bay. Oh, Monterey Bay Aquarium Research. That's Institute. south. Okay. South of San Jose. Fair enough. Uh, I think that's where they end up is Monterey Bay. Uh, Monterey Bay. Oh, no. no. Wait, that's Botany Bay. I'm a bad. But yeah, just anyway. an overall very quality film. Yeah, I enjoyed it. It's very funny. It's not as good as the first one. No. But doesn't mean it's not a damn good movie and very enjoyable time, especially if you have kids. Certainly a fun movie for that. But also, look, you took a character a lot of people love from the first one, Dory, right? And you give her, you make her the central part. Marlon is best as a facilitator to the protagonist. Straight right? man. Yeah, straight man. Exactly. Ironically, being Albert Brooks. Uh, but this is so good at showing you some emotion and um, uh, uh, emotional journey, rather, that the character goes on trying to get back home. 
right? They helped Marlon get they helped Marlon reunite with Nemo in the first film, and then they get back home. How do we get Dory back home? How do you get somebody home who's got short term memory loss? It must be incredibly difficult, right? And so there's even shades of whatever. What are those illnesses that people go through? Some people people have like, like amnesia. Yeah, amnesia, like they, that kind of stuff or whatever. People go through that. So how do you get them to come back? What are the sensors and things of that nature? Mm-hmm. So when she gets reunited at the end, you're just like, oh my god, it's heartbreaking. Well, right? the little like the was it shells yes. that lead her back? The, yeah. The, the parents did as kids, and they're continuing on under the belief that she's still there. She's yeah, still and that someday she will come back. Yeah, is right. you know we've seen numerous times within movies the undying belief that they're not gone. Like right. I still feel them kind of you yeah. know, jazz, and ultimately it pays off. I love that. Uh, who who plays the dad because he's got a receding hairline for the fish. All the fish have the same kind of coloration, oh. and he's got a receding a good hairline. Question: is it, It's not Richard Kind. Uh, it's not. I don't think it's so. It's not Odenkirk. No, it's not Odenkirk. Okay. Um, I think it might be somebody who's actually bald in real life. <laughs> oh, boy. How dare you? Uh, Ed O'Neill, uh, uh, Ty Burrell? No? No, Ty Burrell Ty, plays. Eugene Levy? Is it Eugene Levy? My, yeah, I think it is Eugene Levy. Yep. yep. Uh, he is not bald. He's got a thick, thick head of hair. And Diane Keaton. They're both. Uh... Uh, yeah, but he's got like a, oh. I think he has a receding hairline throughout the movie. Like it starts at one and then by yeah. the end. As far as that type of fish is concerned, oh, fascinating. I, didn't, I forgot Sigourney Weaver's in this as the voice in the. Uh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, a lot of people. Idris Elba's in this damn thing. Dominic West as well. Oh, little wire reunion. Is that right? Dominic West isn't he in the wire? Yes, yeah. he is. McNulty. McNulty. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. There you go. All right, that's your number ten. So nine. Uh, I've got a movie we've never talked about. Ooh. Sphere. Oh, you like that one? All right, knock yourself out. Yes. Okay. Uh, I mean, I put it on there because we've never talked about it. That's fair. It, otherwise, it was just like, well, I'm going to slot in another submarine movie mm-hmm, here. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to limit the number of submarine movies. We, okay. We do just because, Got or at least you. I do. I'm sorry. It's fine. It's yeah. fine. Uh, Sphere's a psychological th- kind of horror-ish yeah. thriller mm-hmm. type of thing where – so they discover what they assume is an alien ship – at the bottom of the ocean, it's under like hundreds of years of silt or whatever else that has been deposited upon it. Yeah. And then it turns out this is actually an American-made ship. They assumed it was alien. And then they figure out that this thing actually traveled back in time to get here. And then they figure out like it just keeps – the wormhole mm-hmm. keeps going deeper and deeper and deeper or the rabbit hole rather. Uh, and then, you know, uh, it's got a great cast with Dustin Hoffman and Sam Jackson, Sharon Stone. Yeah. Oh, who is the f- – there's a fourth. Is oh, Lee Schreiber in this? Uh, it sounds like he would be in this. Yeah. Um, and then there, I think – is Peter Coyote in this? Ooh, good poll, Peter Coyote. I think he uh, might be in this. Peter Coyote is in this. Lee Schreiber's in this. Queen Latifah's in this. Uh, that Okay. Huey Lewis is in this. Of course. He's a helicopter pilot. But yeah, that's pretty much the stand. That's pretty much the uh, of the known names. Uh, yeah, the known names. And Barry Levinson directed this one. Mm-hmm. Kind of crazy. It's a Michael Crichton book. That's this, and this is my entry point in the sphere. When I read the reviews, I didn't go see it because Michael Crichton. That book is a seminal book in my life. Like I, I was in the military at the time, and I was just like desperate to get into an author for whatever reason. Needed something to read, mm-hmm. and Crichton. I started. I didn't want to do Jurassic Park because I wasn't always the biggest fan of that movie. But I was like, well, what else wow, is the here? The book is so good. The, yeah, right. And I probably should read it now in retrospect. But yeah. I went through a run of Crichton. But Sphere, I read three times in one summer. Okay. It's just an incredible book. And when the reviews weren't positive, 
I didn't go see the movie because I didn't want anything to taint my enjoyment of that fucking book. The book was so goddamn good and I loved the exploration they did, the emotional shit, the twists and turns going on with these characters. And, and of course, it's supposed to be – I think Hoffman and Sharon Stone are supposed to like be a couple in the mo- in the book. So the fact that I didn't I didn't really buy them as a couple in the movie. So I no. wasn't going to go see it. So, But overall, I did not see Sphere but I'll say this. The book is incredible. And so uh, I kind of mad that they didn't get it right because – this could have been just as good as Jurassic Park. But that's a lot of Crichton books that get turned into movies. True. Andromeda Strain is another one no, no one talks about. That's well, a Crichton the book. the 13th Warrior, yeah, which oh is Eaters God. of the Dead, yeah, yeah. which I actually don't mind that movie. Okay. Uh, but the book is obviously the, – the you know it's way better. Um, that could be something. Crichton books turned into top 10 Crichton books as movies. Yeah, on an off week, sure. Yeah. January is the type of month for those things. <laughs> uh, let's see. What else we got? Obviously, Jurassic Park. Yeah. Timeline, the movie sucks. Oh, God, that sucks. But the book is pretty good. book is super interesting. Mm-hmm. In essence, like, you know, uh, breaking someone down to ones and zeros and yeah. then faxing them, I think, is the way they relate it. Uh, just to make it understandable to people at the time. Right. Uh, back in time to a specific moment and whatnot. It's... That one was super interesting, but the movie fails. Right. Uh, Westworld is a Crichton book. It is. That was turned into a movie. And he wrote and directed the film. Wow. Yeah, the first one. Wow. Yeah, the original. The, I knew he wrote it. I didn't know he directed it. Yeah. Written and Crichton wrote and directed the science fiction thriller Westworld. Wow. Wow. He also did ter- – he wrote Terminal Man. OK. Yeah. Coma. I remember Coma. Never read that one. Um, Runaway, the one with Tom Selleck. Mm-hmm. Jurassic Park Disclosure I didn't know he wrote that one okay. I forgot he wrote that one Congo Congo's a great book Movie is not The movie is terrible Yeah the movie Is not Crichton co-wrote The screenplay for Twister Yeah Sphere is, It's a 1987 novel Jesus right Yeah, About a, the story of a psychologist Who was called by the US Navy To join a team of scientists To examine enormous spacecraft Right 13th Warrior Timeline The Andromeda Strain Those are the ones Those are the ones And he's had others Prey was a good book. Right. That was uh, – I could see that being made into a movie now, especially with people's understanding of technology. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, you mean Crichton books themselves? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. There are a lot Wasn't of great Prey was about the nanobots? Yes. Uh, I think so. I don't know. It's been years since I read that one. But yeah. you, I could definitely see people being able to understand that better now <clears throat> visually. Yeah. Um, oh, you know, yeah. Shit, that's the new Vin Diesel movie. Next year. Oh, Rising Sun's another one. That's a Oh, that is book. a Crichton. Mm-hmm. It's a good movie. That is a good movie. Uh, yeah. I read. I remember reading Rising Sun. Rising Sun was, was damn good. Some called The Great Train Robbery is Crichton as well, which mm-hmm. I never read. Yeah, I never yeah. read that one. Interesting. All right. All right. All right. All right. And of yeah. course, The Lost World and all the Jurassic ones, of course. So spheres, you know, basically yeah. they, they find this sphere yeah. and then all the shit that, that comes out of interacting with this sphere this unknown technology and how it affects all the central characters within the film itself yeah. Sharon Stone Dustin Hoffman and Sam Jackson um, you know it, it's it's interesting it's unique yeah and uh, it's number nine you know <laughs> all right which is number eight uh, eight is uh, Atlantis the lost Empire oh man I was so close to putting that on dude. I was so close to putting it on and I was like to myself, well, do I really, really love it as much as like Treasure Planet? I'm like, I don't know. But there's so much to enjoy here. There is. So – A lot of visual plus – You might talk me into it. I, it's a fluid list always. You might talk me into it. I might put it on here. Please go ahead. Um, 
Because it's Michael J. Fox, right? Yeah, he's, he's the lead. Yep. Milos or Milos, and I can't remember the character's last name. Yeah. And then uh, I, for the life of me. So I think James Garner plays the heavy. Okay. Um, then uh, do you know that uh, old SNL character, the Italian priest or whatever? Yeah, Don Novello. Yeah. Yeah. Someone, if it's not him, someone is doing a version of that character, and he plays the, uh, the explosives expert. Okay. And then beyond that, I – don't know that I can pull any names as to who. Oh, Leonard Nimoy is the head of the Atlanteans. Okay. Uh, I can't pull any others. Yeah, Don Novello is is in is in, is in it. Uh, David Ogden Steers is in it. No. Uh, oh, there's the voice of Cogsworth in Beauty and the Beast. That's good. Oh, you've never seen him like Mash, the what? the TV show. You ever see the TV show? What character is he? He's the he's Winchester, the, the oh, sure. British dude. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see, Claudia Christian's in this. I remember her in that film Hexed. Uh, John Mahoney from the uh, from oh, Frasier. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. He's in this. Cree Summer. Jim Varney uh, does a voice sure. uh, in this as well. So, yeah. Um, right. So, uh, Milos or Milos? Yeah, Milo Thatch. Or Milo. There yeah. Um, basically has a crazy idea. He thinks he knows the secret of Atlantis, something that's been rumored this previous you know civilization that got uh, subsumed at some point by the ocean and within this they mm-hmm. basically it's almost like uh they've been buried underneath like they're protected underneath yeah. the ocean kind of buried within uh the the earth itself like a subterranean kind of civilization and he thinks he knows the route then it's kind of like stargate yeah where uh, James Spader has figured out what actually all these hieroglyphs and whatnot mean. Yeah. Milo plays the same type of individual where everybody looks at him as a kook. Yeah. But it ends up he's, you know, technically correct. Yeah. And to see a tale that everybody's heard variations of or at least knows the lore of Atlantis. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I think Homer was the first one to write about Atlantis. Is it real? Atlantis? Did it exist? I don't know. I don't think anybody really knows. Yeah, right. There's uh, never been an excavation of it, or find they never no, found it. No, we would know. Okay, if they found Atlantis. Okay, uh, it took them forever to find Titanic, the ship. Yeah, it took them a while. But that's also because it's below two miles of water. Well, that's what I'm saying. How deep would Atlantis be? Do you think it's just super buried? If it existed, listen, you're the science guy on this show. You well, tell me. If it existed, so there more than likely like it was some sort of uh, tectonic shift, right? That the earthquake, yeah. Yeah, something like that. And it fell into the ocean. Right. So if it does, if there is any remnants of it, okay. uh, they would be – I mean it have to be rubble. OK. Um, so it wouldn't exist. I don't know. I don't know. I just want to know because I, I remember watching the old that old show In Search Of and Atlantis and the Bermuda Triangle were always the top two subjects they talked about. Oh, yeah, of course. Of you course. Know? Because they just you can say whatever you want. You can speculate as much as you like. Yeah. And there's no way to disprove any of it because it's all just you know, conspiratorial or yeah. you can run wild with it because who's going to contradict you? You can, you can say Atlanteans had you know, two, two sets of hands. You know? <laughs> who's going to say no? <laughs> yeah. Who's going to say no? Like, oh, that's not correct. How do you know? Right, right. Like that's where the ancient alien stuff – yeah, it's like okay, you can run wild with that speculation, uh, go crazy. The you fact that the like pyramids or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, the, the pyramids that one doesn't. You know, I've never really watched any of it. I've just had it uh, distilled from a dipshit friend of mine, and he's not really a friend. He's a friend of a friend, <laughs> and he was trying to tell me about how the Egyptians had electricity. Yeah, and all these other things, and I'm like, okay, 
there is no evidence to support that I've ever seen. And I'm not an Egyptologist. You don't understand, man. Yeah. They had all this. There's no way, man. The technology would be like they, – they built a pyramid. It's, yeah. it's not like it was – you know, it's, it's a hell of an engineering marvel. Of course. Um, just like uh, Machu Picchu. You build that thing mm-hmm. up on the, the top of a mountaintop and whatnot, and right. they, like the the cut lines of the stone are so precise that you can't slip a piece of paper through it. Yeah, like they yeah. still fit beautifully to this day. And be like, oh, I guess you know when you're king and you have all the time in the world, yeah. or a ruler, whatever the case is. And then I, I don't know, but I don't <laughs> believe that aliens came down and helped them build build big stone. All right. Uh, you know, fucking yeah. monolith doesn't it doesn't make sense to me. But what do I know? I'm not an alien. <laughs> Wikipedia says it's a fictional island mentioned with an allegory on the hubris of nations in Plato's work. Oh, Ta- Plato? I thought it was Christmas. Okay, well, what represents the antagonist naval power that besieged ancient Athens? Uh, the pseudo historic embodiment of Plato's ideal state in the Republic. In the story, Athens repels the Atlantean attack, unlike any other nation. Uh, unlike any other nation of the known world, supposedly giving testament to the superiority of Plato's concept of a state, the story concludes with Atlantis falling out of favor with deities and submerging into the Atlantic Ocean. So it's always been a stuff of legend, I guess, but no one's ever really proved that it existed is what you're trying to say. But they they attacked the Grecians yeah. from the the Atlantic. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. I guess it would be off what, the coast of Africa or something? Sure. If you say so. I don't get involved in geography. Well, that's really. still on the Atlantic Ocean. It's not really if you were on the eastern side of Africa, I'm just trying to think if it was on the eastern side of Europe, oh, good if point. it was on Spain yeah, yeah, yeah. or France or something like that, there were, I don't know. Mediterranean, more, right? Well, the Mediterranean isn't part of the Atlantic. Right. So if they're Atlanteans, they'd have to be on the Atlantic Ocean. Good point. Okay. But you'd need easy ingress into the Mediterranean. So you'd be over off yeah. the coast of Morocco or Canary Islands or Spain. Yeah. That's my guess. Okay. Uh, if you're going to take on Greece. Um, during the early first century, the Hellenistic Jewish philosopher Philo wrote about the destruction of Atlantis in his On the Eternity of the World. Hmm. And uh, in a longer passage, allegedly cited by Aristotle's successor, Theophrastus. There was a successor to Aristotle? How does that work? Well, they were all kind of one beget the other beget the other. They were all students of – but Plato and Socrates were students of Aristotle, I believe. Okay. Who killed himself? Socrates? Or did they all do it? Uh, let's see. Whoever Plato's teacher was, I think it was Aristotle, he was killed. Okay. He was killed. Okay. Um, Fascinating. Yeah, I'm not sure. All these guys. Uh, all right. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Good stuff, though. I mean, that's a fantastic film that a lot of people talk about. And I wanted to put it on my list. But at the end of the day, I was like, well, do I really come back to this one as much? Or do I think this one's as high as other ones, so I couldn't do it. Uh, but that's your number eight. That's my eight. What do you got? Uh, Ten we did. Ten's on doing it. Nine is Crimson Tide. Oh, uh, that's a slight punt. Fine. Fair. Eight is Black Sea. That's a punt. Okay. Cool. What's your seven? That's interesting. So what do you have at the, the mm. top part? Okay. Well, now I'm looking at know. my side list. Don't, don't you want to know? I only have like two that, two or three that didn't make my list. And uh, I don't see any of those being higher than both of those movies. Seven is Crimson Tide. Don't you want to know? All well, right. Yeah. Go ahead. We will eventually get to it. Yeah. I might be cheating on one. But go ahead. Yeah. Um, uh, a nice taut thriller. Hell of a cast. Yes. Denzel Washington, Gene Hackman, James Gandolfini, uh, v- early Viggo Mortensen. Yeah. 
Uh, you see Gandolfini's son is doing a prequel to Sopranos? Yeah. The, uh, Michael Gandolfini? Wait, yeah. He's, is he doing it like – wait. Is he doing it – is he doing the David Chase movie? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. I see. That I saw already. The, yeah. Something of Newark. Yeah. The Angels Prince of Newark. Yeah. Like that. That. I don't know yeah. what it is. Yeah, man. Yeah. Uh, I just read an article about it where he said he never watched the film until Chase contacted him about potentially – or not the film, the show. Yeah. Until Chase contacted him about potentially doing this and he sat down and watched it from episode one through the finale. What? Yeah. He'd never seen the show before or he was no, re-watching? His, you know, his dad died when he was 13 or 14. Still. Oh, well, I guess you're right that you wouldn't be watching that yeah, show. Yeah, you wouldn't 13, be watching 14. it at 10, 11, 12. No responsible parent is letting their child watch exactly. the show at that age. Yeah, good point. And he said okay. like he asked his dad. He went on set one time. He's like, what's it about? And he's like, hey, he's a mobster that goes to a psychiatrist. <laughs> it's about construction. <laughs> exactly. About waste management. Yeah, waste management. Um, what's well, the big deal? I'm intrigued because <laughs> I like him on the deuce. And I see him as his father, but at the same time, like Gandolfini is a stand like he is yeah. I don't know how you replicate that. Even if you are his son. Yeah. You may look like him, but right. he carried a certain weight, even like no pun intended, just he had a gravity when he walked into every scene. Mm-hmm. Like I believed him in that role more so than anybody else, and I'm not taking away from what everybody else did. Yeah. He just firmly seemed that's a Don. That guy definitely runs yeah. something. Yep. Uh, the only one I never really bought was Pantoliano. Joey Pants? Yeah. When he was on guest starring on the show? Yeah. I never bought him as someone that is going to go head-to-head with Tony. It was weird because they also they put him through a bunch of shit, you know, with that thing with uh, – Yeah, Janice. Yeah, with Janice and the, him getting like like having sex with a dildo. and his, Like all of that was so weird. They made him as depraved as possible and it was just weird. It was weird. You know, the Buscemi thing I think worked better. OK. Yeah. I liked him better on the show than I liked – Joey Pants. Okay. My favorite death is still Janice killing that dude, killing her. Uh, was it uh, Richie Aprile's dad? Whoever the fuck that guy is. Oh, really? Yeah, I love that. Kid. Oh, big puss. Came out of nowhere. Well, puss is more of a poetic death, right? This death is out of nowhere. You don't expect Janice. I know, but when they do that, sitting on the boat, it's great. And he's lying to him about the masseuse, and they're just staring at him. Yeah, and they fucking know the well, whole fucking time. Exactly. And puss does too. Puss is just playing this whole thing out. They're laughing, but you can just see how hollow Gandolfini's eyes oh, are. Oh, yeah, and yeah. And eventually he's like, did that really happen? And you're like, oh. <laughs> Tony, not in the face, huh? Not in the face. What do you think we're on a boat for, Puss? Yeah. What do you think? We, you're not. Yeah. No, you're not. Well, the thing is he says not in the face, right? He says, of course not, of course not. And then boom, shoots him in the face. And I don't even know if he shoots him in the face first. I think he shoots no. him in the face at the end just to kind of fucking – you're not even going to get this. I'm not even going to give you this much respect. Like you're just – it's over. And I know they spend – what don't they spend the rest of the season like trying to deny – they say he just disappeared well, or he ran off or whatever? I think there's only like one more episode. Oh, is there that, that season? Okay, okay. Yeah. They build to that because the one before is where yeah. he has that fever dream because he got food poisoning. Yeah, right. And the fish is talking to him. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, yeah, what was the other one? Brutal. What was the gay? Who's the gay guy again? The one that they, they found out he was gay. Oh, he was good. His death was good too. Yeah, where he's blowing that dude in a truck. Oh yeah, man. And they catch him. Oh, dude. Uh, that was a rough, rough. Vin- wasn't it, Vinny? Uh, you could make up any. <laughs> Tony. Tony. Jimmy. Yeah, Vito Spadafore. Vito. There you go. Yeah, it was Vito. Uh, yeah, dude. And he was married to Maria. That's right. They had two kids. Closeted homosexual, right? Yeah, damn, dude. 
And when they finally got him, because you didn't know, like, you, was he going to get away? Were they going to be okay with a well, gay dude in the crew? Sin? Yeah, right. And he's he's bringing in money. He's earning. It's you know, have you guys have you updated your understanding of human, you know, psychology and yep. whatnot to just be uh, tolerant of the fact that the world has all different kinds? Yeah. So, of course, you have a large enough population of individuals within your group. Of course. There's bound to be, you know, right. percentage-wise of this or this or whatever the case is. Right. Uh, yeah, that was pretty brutal. But So Crimson Tide is, okay. in, in essence, a, you know, it's a movie about – it's a nuclear submarine mm-hmm. and they are underneath the ocean and they get a partial yep. message of what action needs to happen. And Hackman – is on one side and yep. Denzel is on the other. Now Denzel's the I don't want to say disgraced EXO, but he's basically he's not held in high favor with everybody else because the reverence that everyone has for Gene Hackman. Right. And Denzel's kind of like a, he should have gotten his own boat by now, um, but he's forced to be EXO yeah. like, kind of one last time, yeah. which actually happens a decent amount. You know, it's like on U five seven one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matthew McConaughey is supposed to get his own boat, but right. Paxton is like you're not ready yet because you're not willing to sacrifice. You know, whatever it takes to get the mission accomplished. Yeah, yeah, and eventually yeah. he learns that, you know, lesson ultimately. Yeah. And that did not make my list. <laughs> uh, All right. So, the, the you know, basically the message that gets broken up is Hackman believes we need to launch a nuclear strike. Yes. And Denzel is saying the message is incomplete and you have no basis to do that. Right. And it's a back and forth. Like you can see the logic of both sides of Hackman of like if we delay, they could have already launched and we could already be at war. Yeah. There's a whole lot of could have, could have, could have. They're both aggressive in their own ways, Mm -hmm. right? With Denzel, it's about this idea of like he's taking a big chance to be this aggressive because I think Hackman brings him onto the boat, I think, or he gets assigned to the boat if I remember correctly, and they have to learn to deal with him. Yeah, and you know, Hackman comes out with a dog, the walking the dog, and there's this intimidation factor, right? He gets to flaunt rules exactly, and this, but it's a microcosm. The film works for me because it's a microcosm. It's a microcosm of a of a country, of a government, right? On the ship, essentially, there is a president, which is the captain. There is a second in command, which is in a sense a vice president or a or a secretary of defense, whatever you want to say. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, or yeah, what's the secretary that, that goes around the world? I forget what the fuck my brain. Secretary of state. Secretary of state. There's a secretary of state, right? And then, of course, everybody else essentially are like senators or representatives, whatever you want. To sure. Say. But either way, and then there's the citizens. Either way, you have a you have a system that you have to run through, right? So the president Hackman is saying. This message has been received, and I think I need to act. We're being attacked. I need to defend our country with a nuclear code, and, and I'm going to put it in motion. Mm-hmm. But the vice president or secretary of state, whichever one Denzel is, is taking a chance. Sorry, taking a chance to go against the president, and then the other people have to either adhere to the rules or break the rules. To follow what they need to follow. So yeah. what is your actual commitment to the principles you signed on for here in the military on this boat being an essential mini government – being essentially a mini government on the boat? And it's like – because I love the Zunza moment where he's like, I don't want to follow you. I'm not your friend. I'm doing this because it's the, the law, the way I'm supposed to do it. But I don't want to follow you. So I, I love that it's a very complicated situation between both Hackman and uh, Washington. And by the end, you don't 100% know that Washington was right to do what he did. Yes, in the end, there was not a nuclear attack. But had there been one, Washington would have been completely wrong all the way around. True. But he, in accordance with with 
the military code or understanding mm-hmm. of what the rules of engagement are, yeah. Denzel was in the right. And my, I think my favorite part of the movie is yeah. they go to the court tribunal, whatever oh, the yeah, case yeah. is, mm-hmm. and Hackman uh, is basically given a slap on the wrist and, and allowed to go into early retirement, thereby indemnifying the military yeah. from any kind of uh, – without having to basically say we're culpable or anybody's culpable. Be like, right. why don't we just you know, sweep this under the rug? Yeah. You go about. We'll give you your uh, retirement yep. because you're in essence like a you know a higher up. You get your golden parachute, and you get to get out. Yeah, Nixon, you can resign mm-hmm. or be impeached. Exactly, and he resigned. If you resign, we'll give you the pardon. Yeah, we'll give you the pardon, and we'll all move Just on. Walk away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's the thing. Yeah, that was when I saw that. I was like, that's that's honest. Right. That is very honest because there was no. It's not like he launched the strike. Had he launched the strike, right. there's no way you could say. Hey, you, you were kind of right to be like, no, we would have to. You would be going to jail if not dying. Well, yeah. Also, he didn't pull a Colonel Kurtz. Where he ran off like renegade to do this, right? Yeah. It was he heard a message, a part of a message. He thought this is what he needs to do according to his code of conduct, right? He was following the rules as, as he has been trained to follow the rules. So that's why you give him the slap on the wrist because you understand why he was doing what he was doing. He wasn't going rogue. So, yeah. All right. What's your uh, number seven? That was my seven. Oh, sorry. What's your number six? Uh, my six is the Poseidon Venture. Uh, that's a punt. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's a punt, guy. Calm it down. Oh, okay, Mr. I. Calm it down. Crimson Tide at 11. <laughs> <laughs> and Black Sea at fucking nine or whatever the case was. Black Sea's at eight. Oh, oh much better. Seven is Das Boot. Wow, really? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. I, <laughs> is it because we've talked about it? Yes. Okay. Ad nauseum. That's fine. Ad nauseum. That's fine. But that is a slap in the face to one of the best war movies ever made. Yeah, well, they're German. They'll get over it. They'll get over it. Okay, well. <laughs> they're Nazis. They'll their, get over it. Their nationality, I think, is irrelevant to what is portrayed on film. Because it's not like they're firing <laughs> torpedoes and you know saying anti-Semitic things as they're <laughs> it's not like hitting the button and being like Jules. Yes. exactly it's uh, they're just guys doing a job. Oh, all right. Well, I don't know how the way it's presented. You're right. Yeah, right. I, I don't yeah, know yeah, how yeah. much of the population was complicit or understanding fully of the actions that True. the government that they elected True. were taking. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, if it was fully like everybody was on board, yes. But if you watch, like, say, Band of Brothers, when they discover the camps oh, and yeah. whatnot, and then the local populace all to a person said, the, we had no idea. Yeah, that's what they claim. They claim. Yeah. Now, I would assume, I don't know, but mm-hmm. I would assume there is a certain percentage of that population they did not know. Right. Sure. But, like, the woman. But you knew what this guy was representing. And you knew what this – in all the speeches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You knew where the fuck this asshole was going. But you don't know that just because he doesn't – or despises uh, and is bigoted towards uh, Jewish people, that that also means that he's going to try and eradicate them as best he can. Perhaps – I don't know how much of that message got to the rank and file. I think when you study history – and this is the convenient shield people use sometimes. If you study history, as soon as a leader starts talking initially about a certain minority populace or certain religious group, a certain uh, diverse group, and starts to connotate ne- – put into negative connotation on that, per- on that group in order to turn the public against that group, ethnic cleansing is not that – is really not that far of a step afterwards. It depends on how much power they have. The second you dehumanize a section of people, Mm -hmm. then killing them becomes 
not yeah, it's not actual killing. Yeah, right. They're to not them, people anymore. Yeah, to them, it's eradicating an enemy. Yeah, yeah. But so, I just don't know <clears throat> how just, much of that information was distilled down to the average citizen or rank and file soldier. Yeah, all right. I, I don't know. Okay. So it could have been. It could have been like a you know a pamphlet that everybody got. Hey, <laughs> you get your paychecks on Fridays. You know, pick also, up your rations. This, and, and also, <laughs> we're going to try and kill as many Jewish people as we can get uh, our as hands we can. on. <laughs> Like oh so Jesus, get ready. yikes! Yeah, I don't know if I want to be a part of this anymore. Whoa, guy! All uh, right, so what's your next one? All right, so my next one is uh, number seven. That's that's boot right. Number six, the hunt for Red October. Uh, I didn't put it on. Wow! Because they spend a decent amount of the movie outside of the water. Oh, because it's in the sub. But they're in the sub. No, no, no. Well, they're in the sub, but like... Oh, when they surface? There's the preamble to him even getting on the sub. Right, sure, sure. Oh, yeah, sure. So it's all the build-up, too. And eventually, the second half of the film, yes, they're underwater. So, like, technically, to me, Atlantis, they're still under the water, even if they're they're going through the earth and whatnot. All right, fine. They're under the water, whereas for me, for Red October, is like, yeah, but there's the build-up of he's got to convince... Yeah. The intelligence community that he's potentially right. Yeah. And then he's got to fly out to the carrier and the carrier's got to get him on a helicopter and the helicopter's got to get him to the USS Indianapolis, I believe it is. And the Indianapolis, from that point, yeah. they're underwater. But then they flash back to like James Earl Jones, who's right. outside of. Right. And they're they're still dealing with. So I was I was like, okay. I want right. more undersea. Okay. I'm not going to fault you for that if you want to go that route. It's it's a, look, it's one of my favorites. Yeah, I know. So I was surprised. You put you give me shit putting Das Boot so low, and here you are not even putting Hunt for October on. Well, because Das Boot is about ninety percent underwater. Oh, I see. And percentage wise, I don't know what Hunt for October is. It's probably although not. it's been a long time since I've seen Sphere too, so I don't remember how much of <laughs> Sphere. I know a lot of it happens underwater. Good, good. So I'm seeing a very strong list from Matt Nose here. Oh. Well, I'll tell you, it's it's been a while. Sphere's not one I'm going to go back and re- rewatch anytime soon. All right, but we've never talked about it. So I was like, I'll throw this on. I've already got enough sub movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. So we don't really need to get into another you know effing sub movie. Yeah, fair. And for me, that one was like percentage wise, it seems like Jack Ryan spends a good chunk of the first part of the film out of the water. Yeah, yeah, he does. All right, fine. If you want to invalidate the selection, that's fine. No, no, it's, it's great. I think it's great. I, it should make a list. No. It should make as many lists as it possibly I, can. I don't want it on your list if you don't want it on your list. Well, it's not on my list. Well, I don't want it on my list if you don't want it on my list. Well, we're going to have a lot of commonality, and then it's going to be a fight to the death of who makes the last, like, two spots. I'm assuming thus far, but we've already had uh, yeah. a couple punts, and uh, my guess is we're about to get into a few more that we've got in common. Yeah, well. probably, probably, probably. All right. Well, let's take a look here. Where I'm at, then. So that was my uh, that was my six. But maybe okay. You know what? Here, I'll take it off. Okay, I think you make a good point. So I wish there was an easy way to search that. Like oh, how much? Is oh, no, Jack it's a fair Ryan point. Yeah. Under you know. So I just in put, the subs. I'll put Atlantis Lost Empire number ten then. Okay. Well, so that helps me out. Okay. Uh, so that was number six. Das Boot. This is Das Boot, and it's a punt, right? So yeah, that's still okay. a punt. Okay. Number still five. A punt. Well, before we get to oh yeah, my number five. Yeah. Uh, why don't we take a quick break and hear this word from our sponsor? <laughs> There wow. we go. Wow. Uh, Listen, two dulcet tones uh, breaking down uh, some stuff. Please, yeah, and, and make sure that you uh, support our sponsors because yeah. when you go to them and whatnot, then they continue uh, running ads on our show, and uh, it helps us uh, stay afloat in essence and yeah. you know, come out to the cities like we talked about before with Houston and uh, London. You know, we, uh, 
that takes before we even get there. We have to, you know, uh, lay out a little uh, financial groundwork to yeah. make all that stuff happen. People are already uh, buying tickets. Oh yeah, before as we're recording this. When we did the initial announcement on King's Place, because they said we may have the link up, and that that's as far as we knew. Yeah, that we were given the email from them saying we may have the link up by X, but we'll, we'll let you know for sure. And then uh, we got tweets <laughs> saying, "Hey, I already got my ticket." Yeah, it's like, "Oh, that's awesome!" I, did, I they didn't email us back, letting us know nope. that they were going to open up to the public. It was great. Let's get those sales going. Kingsplace.co.uk and houseofblues.com forward slash Houston for the February 29th in Houston, and once again May 2nd in uh, London. <laughs> uh, but please come on, and uh, our thanks to those sponsors, and let's uh, let's move on. So yeah, let's do it. Five, five for me is uh, the punt previously, which is Black Sea. Oh, okay. Let's talk about it. Um, it's a fantastic submarine movie. Yeah. It's Jude Law. Yes. And let's see, Ben Mendelsohn, mm-hmm. uh, guy with a ridiculous name who's a good actor. Tobias Menzies? No, 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 no. 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 Is Tobias Menzies? Oh, yeah, he's yeah. the rich guy. He's the rich guy. That's paying for all of it. Yep. Uh, no, no, no. The, uh... Shoot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let me look Tell it up. Tell me more. Tell me more. Ah. Uh, He's got a ridiculous name. Tobias Menzies was not it. No. That's not a ridiculous enough of a name. Scoot McNary. Oh, Scoot. Scoot. Yeah, Scoot's great in this film. It's a ridiculous name. I'm sorry, Scoot. You're a hell of an actor. No offense, Scoot. Please. Please take no offense. You're good in BBS. And uh, it's a great actor's name because there is no other Scoot. Right. But – Oh, I forgot that uh, Jodie Whittaker's in this as well. All right. Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. So Black Sea is – a movie where Jude Law is a uh, what is he an excavation? Yeah, kind of. So uh, he makes his money. Yeah, yeah. Working underneath, you know, the ocean, which actually that stuff pays buku bucks. I'm sure it does. Like underwater welding, if there was you know, I heard how much they make, and for like a, a good solid hour, like 15 years ago, I thought about <laughs> doing it. I was like, oh, do they make crazy good money? Yeah, because it's what's a, the life expectancy on the guy? Oh, I don't. I can't imagine it's terrible. Okay, but you need to live, you know, basically anywhere that there's oil rigs and whatnot. I gotta look this up. Yeah, go ahead. Um, well, it's kind of like longshoremen, like down in Long Beach. I know. Yeah. Uh, I know some people that, uh, you know, that their kids and whatnot got into because they're they're thinking about getting into the. They're in high school, but yeah. it's a six figure job from the jump. Okay, and it only goes up. Wow, underwater welders. A six-figure job from the jump. Mm-hmm. And I think as you accrue more experience and whatnot, it can go up and up and up. Yeah. Because it's such a highly specified field. Yeah. Because you need to have the certification for welding. You need to have the certification for <coughs> diving. You need to have mm-hmm. the certification for, you know, just all these various technical aspects. Yeah. So anyway, he is in that world and he's been laid off mm-hmm. and he needs a job and he's kind of <coughs> figuring out what he's going to do. I believe he's on the dole yeah. uh, and not really – you know, enjoying himself newly. He's he's lost his family because the sea kind of, kind of keeps calling him. Yeah. And he always goes back out to work. So he doesn't really – he's long since divorced. Mm-hmm. And I believe he's got at least one – I want to say it's a daughter. Um, but anyway. Yeah. So he gets approached by Menzies uh, – by Scoot McNary or somebody right. for Menzies saying, um, we found something. Yeah. And it's in international waters. It's gold. It's Nazi gold. <coughs> but because it's landed in international waters, whoever gets it owns it. Yep. Which is a fascinating little maritime law. 
uh, still exists to this day. You can wow if you can go find any wreck, so long as it's in international waters. Yeah, you could keep the bounty of whatever you find. Wow. Yeah, uh, and there are numerous wrecks throughout history. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's another one I've read, and we're like, wow, what an interesting job because it takes a ton of money to get into it, but the potential payoff right. is so massive. And there are certain guys that they're always chasing; they're always out there looking yeah. for. Yeah. And they have these huge. You ever seen like uh, the the machines they do for painting for gold and whatnot? They yeah. go in and it goes through like all these little layers. They have that that kind of version where mm-hmm. you go down with these big vacuum suctions and you're sucking up, yeah. and you can find. Oh, okay, we're on the right kind of track, and they have these huge excavation arms. But anyway, so they're down there to find Nazi gold. So they have to get this ragtag group of other desperate individuals, just like Jude Law. Yeah, and basically, Russians. yeah, they get some Russians, yep. and then they have the. Uh, you know, the Anglican or English side. Yeah. And there's the <coughs> fight between the two. And basically, it's all Mendelssohn. Mendelssohn playing the pitch perfect prick once yeah. again. Yeah. Always good at it. He is. He is always good at it. Mm-hmm. Um, and what happens from there? I don't want to ruin it, but it's just yeah. this, this tension that is created. And there's also the drive within all of them of the payday from this mm-hmm. is so crazy. And I believe it's like it's sitting on a silk bank and it's about to just dip over this huge trench. Yeah. So if they get it now, it's theirs. Otherwise, it's going to fall to the depths of the ocean and no one will ever get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, or they'll get beaten to the punch by another you know, uh, operating or another concern that's yep. coming in that's trying to get it as well. Yeah. And it, the tension between all the different motivating factors for all the characters is really good. Mm-hmm. I know why it didn't do well in theater because – It's a small film. It's it is. It's an independent film. Talk about independent underwater film. Essentially an independent underwater kind film. Kind of. Yeah. But it's got a cast where it doesn't seem like right. an independent underwater film. Right. Uh, but Jude Law is not really known for headlining a lot of casts anymore. True. Back in the 90s, early uh, late 90s, rather early 2000s, yes, but not by the time Black Sea came out. Uh, but you've got great uh, – you like you said, you've got good actors uh, that populate this thing, good character actors like Scoot McNary and certainly Ben Mendelsohn. Um, as far as underwater welding, here goes. Underwater welding needs to deal with hearing problems. <laughs> the muscle ache can be another sign of risk. Memory and cognitive ability functions are getting uh, – from the affected. cold water. Right. The threat yeah. of electric shocks. Yep. Even drowning, which can be caused by the failure of equipment. Hypothermia and decompression – Sickness. Sure, you can so get, you can you get the bends. Sure, yeah, yeah. but what do they make? Uh, it says six figures starting out. Yeah, yeah, to start, and then you have overtime and something called diffusion, which uh, I don't know what that is. Yeah, I don't know what that is either. Yeah, <laughs> but it's. A, I mean, yeah, and the life expectancy is about thirty-five to forty years old. That's the average age of an underwater welder is between thirty-five to forty. So that's the average age. When of they, those doing it? Yeah, of those doing it. Not when they die. Yeah. I thought you were saying it. their life expectancy is no. right It's like, wow, that's worse than like crab fishermen. And, well, why even bother? Yeah, and loggers. It's like, that's crazy dangerous. <laughs> yeah, you get a lot of certifications. You need a lot of certifications. Yeah, you do. It's one after another after another mm-hmm. uh, down the line. What I enjoy about it is uh, the, that film is that it twists and turns all the time. You are on board with the protagonists, but then you know that eventually the Mendelssohn thing is going to kick in. And oh, yeah. and cause some kind of issue. The problem is that throughout the last half of that movie, there's just constant state of like trying to figure out what the right thing to do is in this moment, and constant decisions that are being made that lead to what happens at the end of the movie. And you're just like, oh man, this you couldn't have even said this one final decision caused whatever it caused. You have to go back multiple decisions. Yeah, it's a cascading effect. Right, it's a chain, uh, a chain of a, cha- a chain effect, and it's like, oh man, this is brilliant in that way. 
and I appreciated the movie for that. Uh, all right, that was your number five? That was my five. So my five is uh, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. Okay. Classic, classic film. Kirk it Douglas, is. James Mason. James Mason. Uh, and this is one of those Disney films that no, nobody really talks about. It is essentially a sci-fi film, but it's underwater. Uh, and, of course, has all this stuff to do with, Ca- with Captain Nemo and the legend of Captain Nemo and all sure. that. But it's a fantastically fun Disney film. Kirk Douglas is great in this thing as well. So overall, I just think it's one of those films I go back to all the time. Whenever it, like the fact that it's on Disney Plus now, makes me super happy because I can just pop it on whenever I want. It's something I grew up with as a kid all the time, and it's what I go back to whenever I want to revisit seeing those old Disney movies growing up as a kid that they would play every once in a while. Um, Do you remember it? Oh yeah, no, I I watched it again a few years ago. Oh wow, okay. Uh, Because the. Specific moments in it to me yeah. are still just as good. Oh, yeah. But there's a lot of dead time with character <laughs> development that doesn't really need to happen all right. and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. it's just – it was made at a different time. Mm-hmm. Whereas the the steampunky Victorian era you know, submarine yeah. is incredible. Yeah, the Nautilus. Yeah, it it's is great. absolutely stunningly beautiful. Mm-hmm. And every time you see it, the fact that you know they made this and this is a a, a movie prop in essence, yeah, yeah, yeah. but it's just like wow, the amount of detail and beauty and like the underwater divers, yeah, and certain aspects of it are just as fascinating today. Like when we're uh, you know doing a search of this mm-hmm. for this this uh, list, yeah. I already had like a decent amount, but I was like, is there anything that I'm missing? Right, right, and right. I found some arcane movies that I've never heard of <laughs> and just some of the posters of like that would make a great movie today. Yeah. Where you could do it with real CGI and whatnot. Well, Voice of the Bottom of the Sea. That's one of the, I couldn't okay. put it on the list, but it's one of those you're talking about from like the 60s. And it's like, this is interesting. If you could do it now with the technology we have now, it could be fun. The problem is that most times underwater movies don't make a lot of money. So no. they, they rarely make a lot of money. So that's it. That's why you. It's got to have a big shark mm-hmm. or submarines fighting. Yeah, and yeah, that's yeah. about. That's a, it's why I was surprised of no, not a lot of just straight deep sea exploration. Yeah, yeah. Unless you're going to run into, and I guess it makes sense, but you're going to run into the Meg or right. something like that, or even documentaries if you want to start opening that door. True. There's some underwater documentaries that were released as films, like the James the, uh, James Cameron one where he's going after the Titanic and stuff of like that nature. Yeah, Richard Fleischer directed that one too. And uh, his last two of his last films were Red Sonja and Conan the Destroyer. So my man had some interesting <laughs> – Soiling Green. Did Soiling Green? Sure. I like that. He did uh, Tora, Tora, Tora. Did okay. the, Bo- the Boston Strangler, that one with Tony Curtis where he plays the Boston Strangler. Never saw that. The Vikings. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, some interesting choices there uh, uh, for Richard Fleischer as a director. But certainly lives quite some time before he uh, – Took him before he uh, left this world in uh, 2006. All right, uh, where are we at? What's number four? My number four is uh, Finding Nemo. Oh, that's a punt. Okay. My number four is The Life Aquatic with Steve Zizou. I yeah, it was another to me sub movie, mm-hmm. and I had enough sub movies. Okay, fair. So if you're gonna take off Hunt, I got to leave this one on, and we rarely talk about this one. Yeah, no, this doesn't come up all that often. Right, right. I haven't seen it since the initial time that I saw it. Oh wow! Oh, I just bought it on Criterion a few uh, when it's the 50 percent sale that was happening, and I watched it again. Not my favorite Wes Anderson movie, certainly, but I think I enjoyed it more this time, way more this time than I did when I initially watched it. Because I was when I went in to see it, it was right on the heels of uh, Tenenbaums and Rushmore. Mm-hmm. So you think it's going to be one of these quirky kind of films about 
a submarine and a family. But it's actually kind of super fucking dark in certain moments. Okay. And also weird. And weird in a way that's, that's – weird for sure. Yeah, right? In a weird that, that isn't cute. It's weird in a way that's like dangerous or unsettling. Okay. The Willem Dafoe character is like you just don't know what's going on here. Is this a pseudo-homosexual relationship because it's uber attachment to Bill Murray? What's the deal here? Owen Wilson is initially presented as some kind of antagonist or gold digger, and then you realize, no, he's actually this dude's son, and he's really trying to figure out how to make a connection. Then you have Kate Blanchett as the reporter, and then she gets impregnated by by Owen Wilson. So that adds another level to the responsibility situation. And then Bill Murray himself as this, like this kind of like really irresponsible SOB who has no semblance of self-reflection or self-awareness. So it's kind of – Interesting decisions all around. Goldblum's great, of course. Angelica Houston's fantastic. So, um, but I just thought I'd throw it because we haven't talked about it in a long time. We haven't talked about it rarely yeah. ever. So, but it's a good damn movie. It's just unusual in the Wes Anderson oeuvre. Um, I wish I had more to. I mean, what I remember from it is like the the uh, cut of the boat cut yes. in half, so you could kind of follow along mm-hmm. as almost like a dollhouse type of thing. It was super interesting, yeah. and a lot of the the quirkiness of the the wildlife or the the aquatic life that they're going after yeah, yeah, yeah. and whatnot and the red hats and yes uh, the red hats right like certain things pop off for me but i i have not seen it in its entirety okay and what what year did that come out 2002 oh good question 2003 probably it's been a long time it's been a bit i know it's been a bit maybe even yeah 2004 2004 2004 yeah bill murray owen wilson yeah 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 a lot of people in this thing. Michael Gambone, Noah Taylor. Uh, all right. Anyway, where, where are we at now with you? So that was your four? That's my four. My three is one you just alluded to. Ooh. And it's one that I said that I you know, could be maybe breaking the rules a little bit here. Okay. Ghosts of the Abyss. <laughs> the James Cameron Titanic. <laughs> all right. Not on my list. Knock yourself out. Well, okay. So when I was a kid yeah. and you were in your, what, late 20s? Shut your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Early 30s? What was it? I'm not entirely sure. I had just gotten out of diapers. What century are we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, the the lead up and build up to uh, Titanic uh-huh. and uh, Dr. Baird going back and searching for uh, – I was thoroughly fascinated. I did a science uh, fair you yeah. Know, uh, yeah. thing on it and I read a bunch of books and I was fully enraptured in, in with everything else that was in pop culture at that point. But then mm-hmm. I just kind of went deeper. Um and I loved all the the pictures and images and everything that I got to see from it. And this, they go down. The technology got even better, and yeah. like the little unmanned uh, rovers they could shoot off from the subs have gotten even better. And they go into, and you can see the depths and certain aspects of what still remains. And yeah. I found that utterly fascinating. Like they found uh, the interior of this door that was the. Uh, first class passengers as they walked onto the, mm. the boat they came through these specific bulkheads right but nobody had any records of what that actually looked like just the interior room the ante room when they right. first came in right. and they pull in and they see these wrought iron doors that nobody knew existed until oh, wow. this very moment they're like oh so then they could you know posit what this small little interior room they know what what is because uh basically it's kind of like uh you know, when you you walk into a sporting event and you hit security first and then you right. get let in, that's almost like this. You walk into a small room before you go into a main yeah, area. Yeah. Uh, they funnel in, but they didn't know. And you see like uh, these lead uh, glass mm-hmm. that is still intact after having gone down over two miles wow. straight to the bottom of the ocean. Right, right, right. And just – 
to see something this this it's it's eerie to watch as they pass by all these man-made things that had been sitting in a grave mm-hmm. on the bottom of the Atlantic Ocean right. for lo these many decades and i was just utterly fascinated by it there are certain aspects of it where so they have uh bill paxton yeah he's the basically he is us yeah cameron plucks him to basically be the stand-in for the audience and he's experiencing all of this and going down and asking questions mm-hmm. and he's got like a russian sub uh, operator with him and at some points like he's asking questions like what do we do if we this happens while they're down there and the guy's like you know we do this <laughs> but he has to so that you inform the audience yeah but the guy's like uh, you know like uh he's like what's the switch from Armageddon? I've been on the ship too long and with this with hit with pipe. This is simple. Oh, they have that at one at one yeah. point like they're fixing something and they just pop down this little thing of screwdrivers and you're like, wow, that's kind of scary. <laughs> that you would have to tighten a bolt or something yeah. a couple miles underneath with all that pressure and whatnot. Yeah. There are some moments where they're looking through portholes, and I have to assume they shot that somewhere else, right? Because so what Cameron set up his. Uh, sub because they had two subs know. down there yeah, yeah, yeah. at the bottom. So you're saying they set up their sub to look back at his so they could get these shots. Right. Seems kind of like a waste of everybody's time resources yeah. while you're at the bottom of the freaking ocean. Yeah. Um, but the rest of it is just utterly fascinating for someone that you know for a couple years of my life mm-hmm. I'd, I'd read a ton about this. And yeah. Was fully enraptured with the idea of this massive you know man made. Uh, thing at the bottom of the ocean that was supposed to be indestructible and unsinkable and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And they find yeah. like what they think is Molly Brown's cabin and they find, you know, all these little interesting things. Like yeah. I already knew the grand staircase, but now that you can descend within that and the first time they go on lower decks, yeah. you go down and explore down there. And it was just for that aspect. And then they do little recreations mm-hmm. that they project onto like here's – uh, the 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 main um, steerage area, yeah, 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 yeah. the freaking cold. But then they kind of uh, project these ghost-like figures on, and they recreate the moments of the accident, right? Just in short little bursts, and it's it makes it even spookier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's just fascinating. Yeah. Okay, I dig it. Uh, all right, that's your number three. That's my three. My three is the Poseidon Adventure, which is your part okay. from earlier. Still one of the best films from the seventies for me. I think Gene Hackman – if Gene Hackman's not in this movie, this film doesn't have anywhere near the – like the – I don't know what you call it. The, the, I guess gravitas. The gravitas that the film has uh, for – it's just – the ship gets turned over in an underwater uh, tragedy and they have to find their way to the bottom of the boat, which is now on top of the water, mm-hmm. so that they can knock on it and get heard by the rescue team that's coming in with a helicopter. <clears throat> it's New Year's Eve. Or Christmas, I think. It's Christmas. It's Christmas, yeah. they have to climb up that tree. Right, right. So it's Christmas and they're on the ship and then you get introduced to all these characters, right? And initially, it's Gene Hackman, Ed Arab Shelley Winters, so many uh, red buttons, I think. So many interesting people are involved in here. Ernest Borgnine. And then you start to hear their like – Stories, their issues, their whatever. So they lay the groundwork. You know, mm-hmm. one is scared to be on a ship, on the water in a ship, blah, blah, blah. The other one uh, is, uh, you know, to trying to figure out their marriage, if they're going to make yeah. it work. And Gene Hackman's having a religious crisis of conscience, an existential crisis. Well, he's a priest. Yeah, he's a priest, but he's trying to figure out if he should be a priest anymore because of what's going on in the world. He feels mm-hmm. like hopeless about it. He doesn't know if he's doing any good. So as all this stuff happens, then the ship capsizes because I think that's a wave that w- that pushes them over, yeah, a rogue wave so. or something like that. 
and so which is great visuals, by the way, when the ship gets uh, uh, top uh, capsized. The visuals, like you said, the visuals of uh, just the guy falling through the stained glass window, mm-hmm. then them climbing up the Christmas tree to get off the bo- the the bottom of the, the I mean the, the the top of the ship, which is essentially the bottom of the ship now to cl- to climb back out, and then all the different people who are uh, walking through the ship trying to figure out their own way to the uh, bottom of the ship, which is which is the top yeah. of the ship. It's fantastic, and, and then all the deaths that happen along the way. And there's no specific rhyme or reason to the deaths. No. Which I Which think is right. Yeah, it makes it more impactful and yeah. believable. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's, you know, sometimes it's just random. It's wrong place, wrong time. There was nothing. It's not like a, this person was an asshole at the end of Act 1. Right. So you know by the end of Act 2, beginning of Act 3, that they're dead or whatnot. Right, right, It's like, right. no, that was, that was a good character, and they're just gone. It's like heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking, mm-hmm. too, when some of the people that – when they pass and, and some of the reactions, yeah. too. I mean, fuck. Borgnine's reaction – He's incredible so much. Edward Albert's reaction is incredible as well. So you get so much of this. And then Hackman's struggle. Hackman's struggle throughout the whole film to the point right at the end where he's yelling at God. He's essentially raging at God. And this is like a 70s you know, a disaster movie having this kind of element to it, which I thought was brilliant. Mm-hmm. So it's one I always go back to. And that sequel is a piece of dog shit. Don't ever see that sequel yeah, or the remake bad. rather. It's horrific. Yeah, it is. It is not good. No, I mean Richard Dreyfus plays the whole movie being uh, trying to kill him, uh, trying to kill himself before the wave happens, and after the wave happens, he wants to live, and he, other people die so that he can live. Fuck that noise. Anyway, all right. What's your number two? Uh, two. Oh, do you want to talk about it? Do you anything no, you want to no, say? No, no, okay. I, mean, look, I think you fully summated. <laughs> but I don't think we have anything to add to that. Poseidon Adventure is awesome. Please see it if you've never seen it. It's definitely worth it of the, you know, 70s. Yeah. uh, Yeah, disaster film. Big, yeah, yeah, disaster film. That one in Towering Inferno. Uh, My two is probably your one. Okay. The Abyss. Yes. Okay. Good guess. Yeah. I only have one above that. The Abyss is dope. Let me guess. The Abyss is dope. It is dope. Um, Soup's dope. The effects, I think that's the most impressive part. Still hold up. Yeah. I know I went back and just... Rewatched the specific water little tendril finger finger yeah. thing that comes through. Still fully effective to this day. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I find it interesting now looking back because I loved it as a kid and I still love the movie. But that it's these underwater aliens is ultimately where it kind of ends up. Yeah. It's such a weird choice. Where it lands. Yeah. Yeah. And like it comes up and it lifts all the ships up, uh, ships up type of thing. Yeah. It's like, oh, this is super – Super weird that this was the choice, but I like it. Yeah, the original cut doesn't make that moment work. The director's cut does. You have way more um, explanation about what's going on down there, why they were down there, and how long they've been down there, and what okay. they've been waiting for. So when they come up, they it's it's supposed to be a powerful symbol of trying to bring the world together and show and trying to like have some peace and. You do get that in the original cut, but there, it's more validated with the director's cut. Okay, um, but yes, agreed. The the special effects still work, but it's really it's all of that is great. But it's really the story between Ad Master Antonio and Ed Harris that relationship oh, when he's pounding oh, yeah. on her chest, right? So visceral, yeah. And he gets saved by his wedding ring. Yes, trying to get through the door, and it's bing, and it's just that's strong enough. <laughs> of all it's crazy yeah, of all things, right. something that he was willing to throw away is yeah. now going to save him. Yeah. And I love the look. If you're going to do something like that, that that is, you know, what is that a metaphor? Yeah, yeah, yeah. For his current situation, that which you threw away is what saves you. Yeah. But to see it, you know, represented like that on film, just that's beautiful. 
cinema. Agreed. It's, it's symbolic, right? Because the ring also symbolizes that the marriage is stronger than you think. Yeah, there you go. It, right? Symbolism as yeah. opposed to metaphor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I love it. Yeah, all of it. And the two best scenes are her, her death scene is incredible. So phenomenal when acting. She has to make the choice of you're the stronger swimmer. Yeah. And he has he realizes that's yes yeah and he hates that he but he has to watch his wife die in front of him mm-hmm. drown in front of him and the reaction is incredible then you have that gap of time where she's where he's bringing the body back and then him bringing her back to life is an incredible scene as well you know so it's it the whole movie is about this marriage and if it if it can be saved and it stands for humanity and the earth mm-hmm. can it be saved you know so I, I just think there's so much going on in the abyss and they do not, and only there's like there's like a strong contingent of fans who worship and love the abyss and understand how great of a film it is and so many other people are, are more about terminator or aliens or other shit but this is the one that i always come back to as my what is it pro- james cameron yeah like my favorite cameron i think it's my favorite might be my number one favorite cameron yeah, might be you're up against t2 that's what i mean i don't like t2 as much as one because furlong annoys the piss out of me the whole fucking movie yeah, no know. one annoys me in abyss no one not even that stupid dude with the fucking mouse no, he's good. Yeah, he's good. Michael Bean. Michael Bean is really oh, good. Michael Bean's great when he gets the bends, man. Holy yeah, his, that he works that mustache. Self mutilation well. where he's yeah. cutting himself. You can tell he's fully unhinged. Yep, that's yeah, quality. It's a quality yeah. movie. Yeah, good stuff. and it's an expansive film. And it, you know when Ed Harris goes down there, the communication between him and Mastantonio is is very moving as well. So there's a lot to enjoy. And then randomly, Chris Elliott's in this damn thing too. Uh, anyway, all right. So your two is a punt from earlier. Finding Nemo. Finding Nemo. Yeah, that's a be- – I mean it's an, it's, unsu- it's an untouchable film. Yeah, it's an all-timer. Right? It's, it's an like, all-timer. You could argue it rivals Toy Story in my opinion. You could argue – What, the original? Yes. I think it's better than the original. You think it's better than the original Toy Story? Do you think it's better than – oh, you don't think it's better than Toy Story 3? Or what's your favorite Toy Story? Toy Story 3 is my favorite. It's not okay. close. Okay. But it's pro- it probably goes 3, 1, 2, 4. That's fair. Um, yeah, I think that's about right. I think I would agree with you on that. Uh, just overall. But like favorite Pixar's, I still have reverence for Toy Story because without that, there is none of these others. Finding Nemo versus Toy Story 3, I think I give a slight edge to Toy Story 3. That's yeah, a tough fight though. Oh, no, it's good. The fact that it's a tough fight is, is says all you need to say about Finding Nemo. Yeah. Well, it's – I mean just the the bond between father and son and how yeah. strong that is and the loss of the mother yeah. and we've – it has weight and impact, and yet we don't need to see it. Right. The implication is more than enough for us mm-hmm. to feel, you know, their their pain. Yeah. Uh, the after effects mm-hmm. are what we. Yeah. Uh, the reverberations exist. where he doesn't want him to explore out there. Right. Like right. the take one, you know, one step out, two steps back type of thing. As he's, you know, the the world is a scary place type right. of type right. of deal. Um, yeah. Yeah. Because both of them on their journey. Marlon is selfishly wanting to keep Nemo close because he lost his wife. Mm-hmm. And so – and Nemo naturally is a ch- wants to push the boundaries. That's what kids do. Um, but pushes it in such a scary way. And in the end, they both go on their own journeys of discovery about – and maturation uh, and processing the, the, the loss. You know, Because Nemo is pushing out because Nemo is tired of being kept under protection by his dad. He wants to kind of spread his wings a little bit or spread his fins a little bit. Yeah. But what he discovers about when he meets different people, especially in that uh, aquarium, uh, in the uh, whatever you call that, the fish tank, he is like, 
Oh, the dentist office? Yeah, in the dentist office. Like he's talking to all these different kind of characters and it's in essence a way opening up his world, right, from what he's known in that reef. There's so much more out there, so much more experiences, different kind of people who've lived in this world, have suffered and have literal scars from their suffering. You know, all of that. He grows as a kid. Um, and Marlon grows as a dad as he discovers, like, there are dads who are cool with their kids flown out doing their thing because their kids are going to come back. So, yeah. Yeah. I love that. Uh, all right. So then uh, what's your number one? One is Das Boot. Okay. Uh, Knock yourself out. Yeah. It's one of the best war films. Um, it's it's a taught through, like, the – it is long. Yeah. For those that, that look at the runtime and – Basically, don't feel as though they can sit through something that is that length. Yeah. It flies by. Yeah. Just because the character interactions are so good. And please, as we've said before, watch it with the subtitles. Yes. It's much better because you get the intonation and the emoting from the German actors. Yes. And it really conveys what they're trying to uh, get across to the audience. Yeah. When you see voiceover, it just kind of kills the momentum of a bunch of different scenes. Mm-hmm. It just sucks. So please see it with the subtitles. Yeah. Uh, I can't think of a single movie that is any good that has subtitles where the dubbed version is actually as good or better. I don't know a dubbed version of a movie that's better than the subtitles. Better's tough. Is as good, I think, is a better metric. Okay. Can you think of? Well, I know the Batman Ninja came out and it had the subtitles corresponded with the English dub. But the English dub doesn't. A match up to. Right. Doesn't authentically dub what is being said in Japanese. Okay. So that's the frustrating part of it. So I watched it with the Japanese audio and English subtitles so that I could see the authenticity of their reactions to things and hear the audio and what they're doing and try to get what they're talking about. And then like the English sub like filled in what the story was overall. So that was the way I watched it. I still never seen the Japanese authentically dubbed into English. They dubbed the English uh, sub, uh, English audio into subtitles. So. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's rare. Yeah, it's rare. Like Super Akira rare. doesn't work. But the dub is terrible for Akira. Oh my god, you got to watch the subtitles. It's so much better. Um, what else were you saying about this film? Oh, I'll give you this. <clears throat> uh, the other night when I was uh, mentioning Lindley what the subjects were for top ten, I go, <clears throat> "We're doing underwater movie." She goes, "Oh, Das Boot's number one." I had no idea she'd even seen his goddamn movie. It's the best. So it's pretty phenomenal. She was surprised that I wasn't going to put it number one. So I remember. What was it last? Whenever like whenever we did sub yeah. movies, which yeah. was last year at some point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And right after that, was hanging out with a bunch of uh, family and the random discussion of, it, and it's on Catherine's side. Yeah. So I don't know how many of them know that that we do this. Okay. You know, type of thing. Right, right, right. And then literally, someone was like, "Oh, you know, sub movies. Are there any good sub movies?" And in my head, I was like, "Oh, there's so many good sub movies." <laughs> But I was like, well, you need to do yourself a favor if you've never seen any of them and watch Das Boot. And another gentleman who I've only had sparing interactions uh-huh. instantly looked at me and was like, dude, Das Boot is so good. <laughs> and I'm like, it's one of the best. Yeah. It's one of – you need to see it. And it's yeah. like after that, I can go through. There's the Crimson Tides, the Black Seas, right. the you know, Hunt for Red Octobers, Run Silent, Run Deep. Like, yeah. There's a whole bunch after that. There's been a lot of sub Certainly. But Das Boot is just pitch perfect. It's, you see the idealism. And then you see the harrowing effects yeah. of what war is and living on this boat and living in a perpetual state of fear. Yeah. Uh, you want to talk about PTSD. I can't imagine living in a metal tube where you're under constant fear of being depth charged yeah. and destroyed at all times. And regardless of what size, side of the 
conflict you're on, any human being that's in that situation, that is brutal psychologically. Wow. Wow. I don't know how anybody signs up for that one. Yeah. Carrier, destroyer, all the rest of a battleship makes way more sense to me than sub. Yeah. Do they get extra pay? Uh, I don't know, actually, because I never served on that side of things. Uh, but maybe. I got a cousin in the Navy. I'll ask him. Some people just like – they just like serving in a sub or being a True. part of it. There yeah. are going to be those, but there have to be some that get assigned. Yeah, right. Of course. Yes, of course. So yeah. – And what sub do they get assigned to? And You really can't go anywhere. Like you're stuck in that thing mm-hmm. for months. Yep. You know, whatever issues you have with people, whatever issues you have with your superior officers, you have to learn to navigate it. Just living in a metal tube of farts. (laughs) Can you imagine like the World War II? At least now they'd have air scrubbers and they try and make it better. Sure. Then you're just living with other people's BO and farts. Just living for months. That's what should we get PTSD from? Oh, just the smell. They open up that hatch, just birds die. Right. That are flying over. Or if it overflows. Into the like the toilet overflows in the sub. Oh, oh game over, man. That that actually out. might be a breath of fresh air compared to the stinking. <laughs> I mean, how often do you think they got the shower? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, then, as Matt said, the the uh, you know watch the original audio with the subtitles, but also watch the the cut, the director's cut. Watch the longer cut. Oh yeah, the longer the better. The longer is is just such a better experience, and it will go by quick. You will. Not feel it at all. It's incredible. So, and Jurgen Pragnow is fantastic. It uh, makes you remember why he was casting so many films in the eighties on uh, both sides of the continent. Yeah, now he gets just smaller parts. Yeah, here and there. It's always, always nice good. when he shows up. It's it is always nice. He's always good, but yeah. it's, he's done a lot of shit films. Yeah, well, he has to stay alive. Like Udo Kier, good actor. Yeah, but shows up in a lot of shit. Um, all right. Well, that's our separate uh, top ten underwater movies. Should we uh, list them out uh, for uh, Cody and Adam? Yes. Okay. Um, all right, my list first. At 10, I've got Finding Dory. Nine, Sphere. Eight, Atlantis, The Lost Empire. Seven, Crimson Tide. Six, The Poseidon Adventure. Five, Black Sea. Four, Finding Nemo. Three, Ghosts of the Abyss. Two, The Abyss. And number one, Das Boot. Wow, Das Boot. Uh, so my number 10, after adjustment, uh, is Atlantis, The Lost Empire. Nine, Finding Dory. Eight, Crimson Tide. Seven, Black Sea. Six, Das Boot. Uh, five, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. Uh, number four, The Life Aquatic with Steve Zizou. The Poseidon Adventure at number three. And number two is Finding Nemo. And my number – sorry, my number one underwater movie is The Abyss. So uh, now we're going to put these things together. Matt, I will grab uh, the bongos. Okay. I, I think I've got three, six versus – where do you have Das Boot? He had it at one, did he not? I don't remember. Anyway, get those tickets, guys. We make an effort to come to your town. We we can't wait to meet and see all of you. We're going to put on a hell of a show. London, don't forget, uh, we had mentioned it in previous episodes, but we hadn't done on this one. We are we have the room for longer than your average show, so we intend on going extra. So we're talking hell about yeah. potentially doing a Q&A or figuring out some sort of added bonus on top of a regular show. But because we could only do the one show in that venue, uh, we asked and received a longer runtime. <coughs> So the doors are open at 7, the show's at 8, and right. we uh, we have the room until 10.30. we got to get everybody out by 11, so we're ending at 10.30. Mm-hmm. Um, but so where did you have Das Boot? Uh, I had a number six, okay. right? Yeah. So this is how I see the list shaking out. Okay. I have The Abyss at number one. That's fair. Finding Nemo at two. Okay. Das Boot at three. All right. Poseidon Adventure at four. Uh Okay. And then where do you have Black Sea again? Uh, number seven. 
So 5-7 versus Crimson Tide was what? 8. 7-8. Yeah, okay. So Black Sea. Okay. Uh, um, and then the only other, so we have... And then Finding Dory and Atlantis. Are yeah, both. Finding Dory and Atlantis. I guess we could okay. just do that. So yeah. you had Finding Dory at 9 now? At 9, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got that at 10 too. And then we have 8-10 for Atlantis. All right, so we'll do Atlantis... The Lost Empire and then Finding Dory. What's okay. your next highest then? Uh, number four with Life Aquatic with Steve Zizou. Okay. I got Ghosts of the Abyss at three. So oh. we're going to go with Ghosts of the Abyss okay. and then The Life Aquatic with Steve Zizou. Is that Zizou. it? Yeah, that's it. Wow. All right. Let's count this list down. The top ten underwater movies. Yeah. At number 10. The Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou. At number 9. Ghosts of the Abyss. At number 8. Finding Dory. At number 7. Atlantis, The Lost Empire. At number 6. Crimson Tide. At number 5. Black Sea. At number 4. The Poseidon Adventure. At number 3. Das Boot. At number 2. Finding Nemo. And our number one underwater movie is... The Abyss. Yes. Still uh, not in 4K, which for some insane reason. For God's sakes, Cameron, figure this out. He's kind of busy with Avatar 2, 3. How many of them are there? Five. I don't know. He's making like There's four a lot. of them. Three or four at the same time. It's like a ridiculous number. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So he's, he's a little busy with I that. I guess so. I guess so. Someone's got to figure this out, though. The thing needs to be out in 4K. You put, that, you put Terminator 2 out in 4K, you can't put Abyss out in 4K? Come on. Figure this out. Uh, anyway, all right, so that's our Top 10 Underwater Movies. Thank you so much for everyone for listening to this episode of the Top 10 Show. We always appreciate you downloading the episode, sharing it with your friends, tweeting about it, talking about it on the Facebook group. All of it means so much to us. And spreading the word, spreading the love. A lot of you need to retweet these shows, need to share these shows. Please. The more people come aboard, because <clears throat> here's how you got to look at it. No matter how many followers you have on social media or on Facebook or whatever, if you tweet about the show or share the show in any way, shape, or form, it's you putting your own personal stamp on the show for your friends to give it a chance. So we would like to do that. We want to keep expanding and building and building. We're in our, what, fourth, fifth year? In the fifth year now into uh, for the top ten, and we want to keep growing. More and more live shows, more and more stuff to do, and we need your help to do that. Yeah, I echo everything John just <laughs> said. Um, please. You guys have always been great about it, and so we hope you don't lose the steam of retweeting it or liking it or responding or joining the Facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash the top 10 show all spelled out and, you know, join the discussion there or over if you'd like to support us uh, at Patreon.com forward slash the top 10 with the number 10. You can do that there and you can jump in on the – we have shout outs and classic shows and shows specifically for Patreon and the relist and you can choose a topic and there's all kinds of stuff. Plus like yeah. uh, with Houston, we did uh, advance they – got, they got the jump on advance tickets a couple yeah. days early. Um, and we're trying – and we didn't know we had that ability until they offered it. And we're like, oh, great. We can give something to our patrons because they've supported us. So you get first crack at these tickets. Um, and, you know, uh, so we try and, and cook up as many different things as we can for you guys mm-hmm. because we appreciate your support no matter what it is. If you can't support on the Patreon, that's fine. Please uh, just – 
Let us know that you enjoy the show. Leave a review somewhere. Retweet it. Like a tweet. Respond mm-hmm. to a tweet. Uh, whatever the case is, we appreciate any and all support that we can get. And we're so thankful that you guys are here to join this journey with us in 2020. Yep. And uh, thank you for an amazing 2019. We look forward to meeting all of you in yes. person wherever we're coming here so. in the next year. And I think that is it for me this week. There you go. Follow Matt Matt knows. Follow me at The Roca Says. And, of course, follow us on all uh, – follow us on Twitter as well at Top Ten Show. And we will talk to you next time on The Top Ten Show. Mm-hmm.